Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me, as always, is the other Who Dat Jedi council members, Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Happy. Yeah, no kidding. Um, was it the uh, what was I singing after? Uh, um, something touched me deep inside the day Tom Brady cried. Um, so yeah, that was that was just uh, that was just fun. It was just fun. I mean, however, can I say for a second what drives me bonkers about people when they talk about football is that Trevor Simeon beat Tom Brady. It's like, no, Trevor Simeon didn't beat Tom Brady. The Saints defense beat Tom Brady. And quite honestly, <laughs> the Bucks offense beat Tom Brady. But, I mean, it drives me crazy when you pit quarterback versus quarterback. It's like they have nothing. It's, I mean – they have nothing to do with one another, you know, but like I said, the Saints defense was on fire. Um, yeah, we let a big couple chunk things go, but um, it's, it's been my, it's been my take that if the Saints defense plays lights out, then our offense just has to be passable and score one more point than everybody else. And um, I think we can do that. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it, it realistically, there's, I mean, depending on what your expectations are, they, they might not be met. But at the same time, you play good defense, you don't turn the ball over, you're not you know, trying to leave a little extra sauce on the hits, which draw the ire of the refs and the flags. I mean, you, you turn the ball over three times and you, you know, over 100 yards of penalties, you're more likely going to lose a football game that way. You know, the fact the fact that the Bucks were even within contention speaks to their talent, but let's be fair. You play on discipline recklessly with the ball, you're gonna lose. It's a nice thing a nice win for the fans. I mean it's just very nice win. I think a lot of people in New Orleans kind of needed that level of catharsis. There was like what was it, one home game so far prior to that one, and it was yeah. the Giants disaster. So like I think I think the fans really sort of needed that and they got it and it's you know it's really cool and I, I just, quarterback situation will work itself out everybody's obsessed because of course Jameis Winston is now out well we um, have we have mutual friends who are about ready to like take fine. knives to one another over Taysom v um, Jameis but honestly, I mean, there. So I, I tweeted. There's, there's a, there's a book called that written by Jim Collins called "Good to Great," and his whole premise was he actually went out looking at. Okay, let's look at these companies that went from being you know good companies to awesome companies and what made them tick and stuff like that. And it became a book on leadership. And so one of the chapters is recognizing your team members and where their strengths lie. Like I may have had a kid in my band who wanted to be a drummer beyond all belief. Like that was their life's passion to be a drummer, but by God, they were an awesome trombone player. And it's like, as much as I love this kid and I, I'll find ways to get you to play the drums, but you know what? You need to be a trombone player because that's best for the band. And so Taysom Hill as much as he wants to be a quarterback for the for in the NFL, um, he he does more once he's not concussed. He does more for the Saints 
doing Taysom Hill stuff than being a quarterback. I think Trevor Simeon can run the offense efficiently. It seemed like after, what, 30-some minutes of it. Now, take that with a grain of salt. But you take Taysom Hill and what he does on special teams and as a receiver and as a, you know, every now and again quarterback, stuff like that. You take that away, then the Saints just become kind of milk toast. So I, I think Sean Payton recognizes that. So I think he's probably sitting down with Taysom Hill to say, you know what, dude? Yeah. We're paying you a whole buttload of money, and this is what you're going to do because it's best for the team. Dave wants to say something. I don't want to inflame the situation so I, because, again, I, I agree with you. Um, and I, I think that it's plain as day when you watch – the replays and you go back and you look at things that a lot of people maybe don't notice about playing the quarterback position and it's just it's like a giant flashing neon sign to people that like kind of understand a little bit deeper and again this is not to trash people's knowledge base everybody has an opinion everybody's welcome to share it that's the nature of social media. It's fine. Um, but Taysom's in a good spot when he's your backup and he can do the things that he can do running the ball. And I, I agree. I don't I don't see any reason to go away from that if you can avoid it. Um, I think it makes sense for them to explore bringing another guy in, if only for numbers reasons. Um and uh, we'll see who that person ultimately is. And uh, Simeon, at least what I'll say for Simeon is he's experienced. And I think a lot of people may not understand that this guy started a ton of games in Denver. Um, if they're not familiar with his career pre-New Orleans, he, he, he has started in the NFL. So the guy's not like some neophyte. Yeah, he's not right out of college and just, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he's playing in the NFL. And didn't he? Didn't he? Well, am I wrong that he sat underneath Peyton Manning? Was he in Peyton's, Peyton's backup in Denver? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of overlap there. So there's there's a master's course. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but like I said, it it man, but I I love the fact everybody uh, the Saints fans were going into this, and my wife is one of them saying, you know, I'm anticipating like you know 500, if that. And now there's a glimmer of hope. You know what I mean? With the defense playing the way they're playing and the things that we're doing, there's just this glimmer of hope, and it's fun. Uh, and you start looking at the schedule ahead, and that's when you go, well, you know, we probably will lose this. And now, wait, that looks winnable now. That looks winnable now. Okay, we might lose that one, but that one looks winnable now. And defense, you start doing the, the playoff math in your head. If the defense stays in, healthy. In early November. If the defense stays healthy, you know, we got, I mean, it, we could make some noise. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying run the house by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, this is, I mean, like I said, Saints fan, and we, this is not the Saints podcast, but you know, the day we are threatened with losing Sean Payton, that's when we need to be worried because he's proving that what, what Bobby Abear said that, um, he's won, um, won games with five different quarterbacks in the last three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. he's a good coach. So, 
Anyway, um, so Falcons this week. It's Falcons hate week. So, um, yeah. Um, we all know what uh, – um, well, yeah, anyway. I, I, I'll, it, it's a family show. So um, tonight, <laughs> man. Uh, so there was awesome. So what was it yesterday? You, you know, we we're talking about what we're going to about talk about tonight on the podcast, and um, we're like, yeah, probably uh, <laughs> probably about politics and Star Wars because we've been we've been wanting to talk about politics and Star Wars. And then Dave says, yeah, we could talk about the Boba Fett trailer. And then I literally reenacted, you know, the scene from uh, Return of the Jedi where I was like, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. where and i like quickly got on youtube and i saw the trailer drop. i mean it was like 30 minutes ago the trailer dropped i didn't know it was going to drop i was i mean my job i'm in kind of this we're in a point we're about ready to launch a bunch of stuff and but i was just like oh man so went to watch it so we're going to talk about the boba fett trailer and you might be surprised as what we think about it so and maybe i'll surprise the two of you by what we think about it who knows um so yeah boba fett trailer and politics and star wars um but first let's do some trivia oh no we gotta ask dave you're the only one with kids how was halloween Mm -hmm. this was the first halloween since covid right no we we went out last year too oh you daring that's right last year they had all the parents all the people in the houses build the tubes yep yep put the candy on like yeah they they took little pvc pipes built uh, uh candy delivery tubes and just Sorry, I'm thinking South Park again. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Let's well, some some people are still doing the candy sheets, you know. Uh, so we encountered some of that. Uh, it's just kind of like wacky weekend because uh, for some reason we got it in our heads. We got to get the girls' room clean this weekend. Um, we got people coming and visiting. Are there suitors and, coming or what? Well, they're <laughs> uh, stay-over guests that are that are upcoming in the month of november so it was like we've got to get that we got to get that room into decent shape and i don't know if you've ever encountered two elementary aged girls with too much stuff but uh that that room was a two-day project cleaning that room was a two-day project so that that ate up most of the weekend so we were just sort of scrambling around i, I watched zero snaps of the saints game that we just waxed poetic about. I probably watched the replay at some point. And, uh, um, I but- remember as a kid, when my mom would tell me to clean my room, I would do two things. I would throw stuff in the closet and I would shove stuff under the bed. That's, uh, yeah. Well, if we're lucky, we get that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but again, it's like, you got too much crap. So, like, our solution, our short-term solution was you're going to have to you're gonna have to downsize all this stuff. But for now, I'm going to clear out some tubs, and then you're going to use the tubs for now. So the, the, their part of it was just basically dumping everything into these tubs once we got to that point. But I had to clear out the tubs, sort through what was in there. And, uh, yeah, so, so did, did people know about your Ted Lasso theme or did they think you were the super fans from SNL? All right. So Kate got a couple of those comments because, Uh, because the time that I dressed as the killer bunny rabbit from, uh, uh, 
Monty <laughs> Python and the Holy Grail and went downtown, went to French Quarter. How many times people said I was the Easter Bunny when I had blood all over my chest and the holy hand grenade hanging around my neck and fangs? I was like, what effed up Easter Bunny did you grow up with? But anyway, okay, so Kate got a couple of the super fans. Well, have you seen the Easter Bunny in the quarter with the, the, the katana? <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> that, was, that was the creepiest My thing of the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, my God. So you were kind of a trendsetter there in a way with the, you know, with mm. the blood, uh, you know, and the hand grenade and everything. But no, yeah, it was um, it was good. Um, we went out and we did the whole thing, the trick or treating thing. And again, like you said, um, at one point, Kate was mistaken for Mike Ditka. I'm like, well, we're in New Orleans, so yeah. understand that. But uh, but yeah, we did the Ted Lasso and uh, uh, got a Which few I'm laughs. Surprised, I mean, not, not surprised about the Ditka, but yeah, because there was a lot of Ted Lassos at the Dome, right, Aaron? I did not pay attention. Uh, I did. There was, I mean, we were sitting next to Batman, so, you know. Yeah. Who took off his cowl, which I think is probably like a faux pas. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of Ted Lasso, so it seems like it was very popular this year, um, along with a few others. There was some Teletubbies and whatnot. But... Well, because yeah, because we went to the Saints game, so what I did was I just left a bunch of dum dum suckers in a bowl on my porch and just put a sign that said "Take one," um, and they did. So hey, well, let's get to some trivia here. Um, who wants to go first? Because I got a great question. All right, Fredo. We'll go Fredo's gonna go first. All right. Who is the first person in the Phantom Menace to utter, may the force be with you? Hmm. First person in the Phantom Menace to say, may the force be with you. I'm going to go with Maze Windu. It is Qui-Gon Jinn. Okay, okay. Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think when he said it. I, the one that popped in my head was in the council chamber when... He's when Qui-Gon's given his report, but I'm guessing he must have done it earlier. I don't know when that I don't know when this was. I'm thinking did he say it to Anakin in the pod race? Maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. I have to I have watch to Phantom Menace now. Um all right. So uh Dave, to you, what rebel flies with nine num as his co pilot? Oh, come on. Lando Calrissian. Is Lando Calrissian? All right. So, for me, whose final words are "train him"? Man, yeah, Fredo, I know, right? Um, I got the easy Qui Gon Jinn answer. Yep, that's Qui Gon Jinn's final words. My father's final words were. <laughs> His final words are, oh, well, I don't think he spent all the time writing, oh, well, that's what's in there. Castle oh. Well, perhaps he was dictating it. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, there was, there was something I was going to say, but I can't remember. So let's just get to the news. Fredo, what's going on in Star Wars Worlds today? So just a couple of quick news bits, uh, because the really big news dropped yesterday, as we all know. Uh, they were interviewing, um, Slash Film was interviewing Christy Wilson Cairns, uh, who's co-writing a uh, Star Wars movie with Taika Waititi, because uh, right now she's promoting uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, which she wrote. So they asked her, obviously, about Star Wars, and, you know, what about comment on the franchise, what was her connection to it, that kind of thing. 
she just simply says, you know, what I love about Star Wars is that they're incredibly transformative. There's a little bit of nostalgia in them, but they can change and adapt to the times. So I think I'll watch Star Wars all day, and that's what I love about them. So, you know, kind of asking her kind of where she was coming at it from what standpoint, you know, reflecting on the fact that they're hard at work right now, and she's doing the media rounds for this movie, but they're hard at work writing a script for a new Star Wars movie, which we've not heard what's it about, when is it going to come out, none to nothing. It's just being written right now. Cool. I don't have any more to say about that. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I'm curious about the creative process wherein you're looking for, you know, perhaps inspiration and going to some of the older movies and rewatching them, etc. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I know that they have resources available to them. Like, if they have questions, so it's like, well, what does Yoda say in this scene? <laughs> or, or what's that one dude's name? And they, they have a team of people they can go to for those sorts of things. So I think it's more of a, if you're going back and you're rewatching some of this stuff, you're probably going for feel or, you know, just like a general ambiance, maybe, maybe how the characters speak a little bit, you know, some of those things. So. Um, and what I find interesting is, you know, I watched uh, the season finale of what we do in the shadows last week, which was created by Taika Waititi who's making a sequel. So I still am still interested in seeing how he's going to marry his Taika sense of humor, sensibilities to Star Wars, because that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see play out. We know we can do it, just we'll see how it works. So then the other bit of news, and this one's a bit more rumor, is um, there was uh, over a Star Wars leak on um, Reddit, the Fat Man Beyond podcast co-host Mark Bernadine was discussing about how he was That's looking a podcast at podcast with Kevin Hilo. Smith, right? Sorry to interrupt you. Yep. That's with Kevin yeah. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, he was looking at how Rosario Dawson, who has worked with Kevin Smith and at least Clerks 2 and Clerks 3, if I'm not mistaken. But or, also Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Yep. Okay. The Clerks 2 and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And so he was looking to hire her for a short film he's making that's supposed to be filming at the end of this year, so next month. Unfortunately, she wasn't available. So here's her quote. He says, Kevin helped me connect with somebody who was going to be in the cast but couldn't make it happen. It was Rosario Dawson. She's not going to be in the movie, so it's fine. She's the busiest lady in the world. But yeah, like she was the first choice, and I wanted her very badly. And she read the script and loved it. But she was like, listen, I'm going to be in Manhattan Beach making a bleeping, McClunky Star Wars show, and I can't be in your short, which I was like, okay, that checks out. So does the world know that there's an Ahsoka Tano show that she's in? Yeah, it's currently in production. So now the the article does kind of go into say maybe she's making uh, season three of Mandalorian, maybe she's making an appearance there, but more than not, the signs are pointing to starting production filming on Ahsoka Tano in this December. So yeah, what they're talking about, is it 2022 that that's supposed to come out? Or 23? Well, that's just it. It's a good question because I don't have. I don't think they've said anything about when they expect that show to come out. We know we're going to get next year, uh, Andor, and Obi Wan in season three of Mandalorian. So those are three are locked in. So it could very well be that Ahsoka doesn't come out till December 2022, or more likely 2023. I mean, at the same time, I mean, 
Disney through their Marvel arm are putting four TV shows in Disney Plus. So they could very well say we're going to put four Star Wars shows in Disney Plus as well. So it usually take we again we add about a year to the end of filming for post production, special effects, cutting it together, all that good stuff, right? So you get it at least a year after they finish filming. And if they're about to start filming in December, they probably won't wrap that for a month or two. Well, and let's um, also let's also we got you, know, you can also go through the calendar of we're getting Book of Boba Fett coming up here in December, mm-hmm. and we've got in the in on deck Obi Wan or Andor, and after in the hole is either Obi Wan or Andor, and uh, then you've I, I think Mandalorian season three started filming before Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know what's I, you know what's my, sad is I started doing the math of like, am I going to be able to see all this Star Wars stuff before I die? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Make your peace with your damn fluffy lord, Aaron. Oh, I, I gotta say, when episode three was about I need to, to become drop... one of these guys, I need to become a Bomar monk and put my brain in a jar so I can see all the Star Wars. When episode three was about to drop, I had a very similar thought process. I was like, I can't get hit by a bus. <laughs> I can't do. I cannot die before I see this movie. And I and then I got to see it, and I was like, okay, we're good. We're good now. But uh, of America in for in for Dave. I mean, you know the point I was trying to make not not that it would drop uh, in early 2023, but that would be the earliest possible drop date. So I mean, again, they're going to schedule it in a way that makes sense for them in relation to all their other shows and properties. So spring maybe might be 2023 might be a good guess yeah yeah because because i mean we also I mean we also still got a bad bad season two coming somewhere along the way all the marvel shows that are invariably going to come out we know we're getting at least a season two of loki there's a few other shows coming down their pipe no, they're lying meaning they're you know disney has a good job of trying to stack all these one after the other where Every month, you're going to get a new premiere, a new something coming, um, which is, to their you know, credit, that's what they want to do. They want to keep you entertained. They want to keep you subscribing. They want, they want your money. But it also means, okay, they can kind of go, okay, Ahsoka, we're working on it right now. And then so if it doesn't to, see the light of day don't need till to hurry anything. spring 2023, so yeah. be it. Don't need to hurry mm-hmm. anything. Exactly. There's no need. There's no rush. There's, there's going to be plenty of stuff to keep fans happy. In now, 2022. Speaking of things to keep fans happy, we talked about it before. <laughs> the uh, Book of Boba Fett trailer dropped um, yesterday, right? We're recording this on a Tuesday. So it was Monday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So um, and uh, so, yeah, we're not going to be one of those podcasts where we're going to go frame by frame and tell you what's going on. So if you haven't seen the trailer of the Book of Boba Fett, just hit pause and go to YouTube and find it and watch it and then come back. And we're just going to talk about um, and I'm using an old uh, old teaching technique with something to it's kind of a um, to get discussions going on a new topic. Um, and I'm, we're going to we're going to talk about what do we know after watching this trailer what do we think we know? So a little speculation. And what would we like to know? What were some unanswered things? What do we, you know? Um, so uh, 
but first, um, yeah. So I guess, so after watching this trailer, I guess, uh, Dave, what do we know? We know that it's at least partially set. You can't, you can't ex extrapolate completely, but we know that it's at least partially set on Tatooine after Mandalorian season two, or at least after the coda of Mandalorian season two, when he murders Bib Fortuna and takes the throne. Um, because the story ostensibly is about him taking over this uh, kind of throne from Jabba and trying to run the underworld element uh, that Jabba used to control and doing so in a different manner or at least he is saying that he's going to run it in a different manner um, and I'd say that's a lot of what we know we know that Fennec Sham's going to be in it um we know there's going to be this whole underworld element to it. By the way, I have to I have to share this. My niece mm -hmm. sent me a text. You know, my niece was on the show, Alexis, and um, she sent me a text that said, "Book of Boba Fett looks like Godfather in space." Sign me the f up. December 29th can't get here soon enough. That's my niece, and I love her to death because that's. I mean, that's what it. And actually, I, I want Boba Fett to, it's like, I want to go to the Untouchables, and I want Boba Fett to be saying, if somebody steals from me, I'm going to say you stole. If somebody, <laughs> you know, I, I want I want that, you know. Um, I want this I, farm on Luke Skywalker dead. I want to, uh, see, I want this farm burnt at the ground. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want, I want that. I, but, uh, so, you know, anyway, so keep, you can keep going. Uh, I, you know, I think that covers it, right? We're, we I think we have a good handle on what we think we know so far or what or what we what the trailer showed us and we can infer. You know, one of the things we also know is that there's a big Makanki. city. Now, I don't we don't you know, we're kind of led to believe and there's a lot of people who are speculating is this Bestine, the supposed capital of Tatooine. Um, but Tatooine's always been kind of, even in the Mandalorian, they're like, all right, well, you know, it seems like there's only like three towns. It's like, here's Mos Eisley, here's Mos Espa, and here's, you know, Mos Pelgo. Um, so I don't know if it's going to get off world or what, um, but there is a, there is a big city. So it could actually, and this gets into more of like, you know, what we think we know, but, um, so I'll just keep on going with what we do know. There's just a big McClunky city. And if this was a video pod podcast, there are Bomar monks running around. And I, I loved when I got giddy and I'm holding the action figure of a Bomar monk that I mailed away for. Um, and if you don't know what Bomar monk was, if at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, when C-3PO and R2-D2 go into um, Jabba's palace, there's like a spider thing that's behind C-3PO and the and. Jabba's Palace in Legends or in the EU, Jabba's Palace is a Bomar monastery. And the Bomar monks thought the way to achieve enlightenment was to remove their brains and put it into a jar and be carried around by spider robots. Um, so, but the fact that we have one like kicking around outside of Jabba's Palace is like, that, that got me kind of giddy. I was just, I was like, right on. Nice touch. I mean, this, these are like, it's the these are these are kids of the 80s, you know, that were like, you know what? Yeah, we need 
because I got that action figure. We need to put that in there. So it might not do to lead to anything, but at least it's a nice touch that hints back at the Legends uh, universe, which is cool. I think one thing we can say we do know is that there has been a there's a power vacuum post Java's death that has not been filled by anybody yet. Which is what's which is interesting. And what's also interesting is that, and I'm reading the War of the Bounty Hunters comic book. I'm waiting for it to come into my the next issue to come in my Marvel, but I got kind of spoiled a little bit. And apparently, Darth Vader like killed the whole Hut Council. So, um, like after Jabba's was, it, was it like after Jabba's death, or so, uh, they 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 put the it, it's somewhere Darth Vader like kills all the Hut Council. So. Um, there's already been, you know, there, yeah, there's a huge power vacuum. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I, yeah. so when we get into the other parts, we'll talk about that comic book as well, but keep on going, Fredo. Sorry. No, no. So well, I think what's interesting, what is, what's interesting is that it shows you that there hasn't been anybody strong enough or capable enough to gather all the pieces of, of the hut gangs, uh, syndicates, uh, uh, pieces and put it back together. And that seems to be the underlying goal of Boba Fett. All right. He wants so, that throne. So what do we, let's get into a little speculation. What do we think we know? What do we think we know? Go ahead, Fredo. No, I was going to say, I think, I think, you know, we're, I think we know that there's going to be obviously uh, some conflict regarding Boba and Fennec trying to do this mission. If that's, if that is their ultimate goal. Uh, and I think we know that, uh, or we think we know that, that realistically that this might not be resolved in one season. Because I mean, we're talking, we have, you know, we have not seen, and we'll get into the other parts of this, we haven't seen rivals to, uh, to uh, Java or, you know, to Bib. All right, yeah, so we know there's other we know there's other crime syndicates around. So I'm gonna, not seen that. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the train here for a second because here's uh, this is again this is this is speculation because I'm putting mm -hmm. two different things together here. Um, in the War of the Bounty Hunters, um, Kira steals Frozen Han Solo from Boba Fett and totally and and that makes then Jabba put a bounty on Boba Fett's head. And now I don't know how this comic book is going to play out, but it is entirely feasible that Crimson Dawn has something to do with this story. And I, I mean, so it, because I, I, I find it very interesting that they release this comic book series pitting Kira against Boba Fett. And now we're going to get a Boba Fett, um, you know, Book of Boba Fett series. And I'm going to say that the Luke Skywalker moment of this show is going to be um, Amelia Clark as Kira and the leader of Crimson Dawn and going to be kind of his main foe. Um, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm saying what I, what I think I know based on these other, you know, not from the trailer, but from, you know, the trailer... And knowing that it is an underworld, you know, crime syndicate, you know, trying to trying to get all the 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 it's kind of like the beginning of the dark night where all the mobsters are meeting and the Joker comes in. 
one of those, unless the comic book plays out something different, one of those could very well be Kira. And I don't know what Amelia Clark's been doing the last, you know, year or so, but that's something that could have been, been very easily under wraps. I don't, I don't know. That's just, that's kind of where my speculation is going right now that I think that there's got to be some link to Crimson Dawn. So Dave, what, what's, what's your speculation after seeing this, uh, this, uh, trailer? Well, I kind of like outline what they want us to think. And so like with some of that, you take, you do always take those kinds of things with a grain of salt, but I also, I, I, I get the impression that they're being fairly genuine about Boba's intent here, which is uh, I want to reform what I see because I don't like it. And we're going to, again, it's funny you brought up the dark Knight because that was one of the first things I thought of. Um, we're going to give this city a better class of criminal that line from uh, Heath Ledger in that movie where um, I immediately recalled that thinking about this. And it's like, I don't know if that foretells a continuation of a hero turn for Boba. Well, that was my question. Is he going to be the hero or is he going to be the anti-hero or is he just going to be straight up just like, you know, Al Capone? who you know talks talks nice but you know you know bashes a baseball bat bashes your head with a baseball bat yeah i i think if again there there are all these other examples in pop culture that you can point to where you talk about again al capone bashing your head with a baseball bat it's like okay this person gets challenged you have to respond to the challenge with force and now you begin to establish this sort of pecking order, and I think that that I think that's inevitable. Um, we didn't we didn't see it in the trailer, but I think that again, what do we think we know? I think we're going to get some kind of sequence along those lines. Um, but again, I'm most interested in is he now more of a hero? Because we we all went back and forth on that. Um, towards the end of uh, Mandalorian season two, um, where it was like, is he pretending to be the hero so well, that he'll turn on them later? Look at and that. I mean, look at look at Solo, Beckett. Mm-hmm. They they led us along the whole time where it's like Beckett has got okay. Yeah, Beckett is a. He starts off as you know, you know, we can't really trust him, but okay, he's he's doing good by Han. And he's you know, okay, we can trust him, and then at the end, he turns. You know, and that's a that's a classic trope in movies where it's like, you know, again, the kind old man who gives you candy to get into the van and then it turns out to be not such a kind old man. You know, I mean, it's that's that's a common tale in storytelling. And we saw Boba Fett as a like you said, as a good guy in Mandalorian. He was helping everybody out. And he's like, hey, I promise you, you know, we won't do anything to till we get the kid back, you know. And because he kind of put it that way, it's like, it seems like, okay, now that you got the kid back, all bets are off, you yeah. know. And uh, it's, it's the kind of subversion that you see a lot in storytelling, but you don't always see it around the protagonist. And so, like that's that's kind of the, the interesting dynamic around him because like we we could have those debates 
when he was, you know, side character over here and what are his real intentions when we don't know. And now he's the protagonist. So if he does have kind of a heel turn in him at some point, that's that will that will hurt the audience, for lack of a better term, in this in a way that, you know, Anakin turned in Revenge of the Sith. You're you're like, oh, yeah, but, it, but that's if you, not good. But if you look at all the times that Boba Fett was in the Clone Wars, he's an angry kid. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, never a has never. Only in the Mandalorian, in those couple episodes, has Boba given us like any sort of. All right, you're okay. I can I can trust you, but he's he's well, in it for a reason, and he's he's a manipulator. So I would not be a bit surprised if there is. I mean, if it's a he's full on Al Capone in this. So which kind of goes to something I was just thinking about. I think we might get some of the background as to what happened to him post return of the Jedi, post falling to the Sarlacc pit. I don't necessarily think we'll get him crawling out of the Sarlacc pit necessarily, you know, all covered in Sarlacc goo. But we should at least get some sense of what has been happening to what happened to him in those intervening five years, how he got the gaffy stick, you know. Did he fight, you know, Tuscan Raiders for it? Did, was he living with them? All right. So what? You know, what are we? That's going to we... color. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's just because that's going to color a lot of where he's at. We we've seen Boba Fett as a child and a young man, and then fully grown again, very um, villainous and whatnot. And then he had this turn in Mandalorian season two. So it'd be interesting to see if we get some sort of concept as to what has changed in the last five years since on solo, you know, accidentally put him in the solid to, to when we see him again. So you say what Mando. another part of what we think we know, I mean, that shot in the trailer of like the four or five Tuscan Raiders, I, I think, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a little bit of how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and how he started right. teaming up with the Tuscan Raiders. Um, so uh, what about, what would we like to know? Uh, what didn't we see that would have been cool to see? I will say one thing that I think would have been really a uh, cool shot is that if you just had a, I guess, what would it be? 50 something. How old, how old is Boba Fett at this point? Um, let's see. I mean, he was same age as Han Solo. So late thirties. Yeah. So uh, yeah. What if you yeah. have what if you have some like uh, some blonde girl? Just a quick shot of something that look may have looked like Omega. Because again, I I I think about how they're what they've set us up with. It's like the Bad Batch. It, they I mean they introduce Omega. It could have been any other kid, but this happens to be a kid who is Boba Fett's sister. And then what's the next thing we're going to release to you, kids? The Book of Boba Fett. I mean, you know, so I think what I, I mean, so what would I like to know? I want to know is, is Omega any part of this, you know, is Speaking any which, part of this story? Go ahead. Going with that. What about Rex? Would we see, I mean, it's easy, you know, you just saw thought armors with Tomorrow Morrison, but it'd be easy if you, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, if we get to see old Rex with his white beard on, you know, somehow get involved in all this because we haven't seen him 
I also want to, I don't want to take this from Dave, but I also want to know if we saw Bosk. In this trail. There was, there was a Trandoshan sitting at the table. Now, he wasn't wearing his flight suit, but, you know, I mean, he's older. So, um, did oh, we, did it. we he's gonna take it off. You know. We were promised boss in season two. Did that ever did that happen? No. I don't even remember. No. Yeah. Not even a not even a cameo in the background. No. Yeah. So you know maybe maybe. I don't so know. I don't, Dave, what what would you what do you want to know after seeing? Is anything like made you go? Uh, I want to know is is this or is that anything? Uh, so yeah, like the thing um, that I find interesting is sort of dovetailing off what you were saying, Ernest. It's this uh, cloning idea that just seems to keep coming up, and it's a big part of the Bad Batch. That was a big part of Mandalorian. Uh, obviously, Rise of Skywalker. Um, Boba Fett himself is a clone, and he could pretty easily become a player for the empire a piece on the chessboard that they might become interested in on that level um so i wouldn't even say like we say i we have a feeling that this isn't going to be the only season that we get we have a feeling that not every they won't be able to resolve everything how are you going to resolve all of these, you know, political infighting of these crime bosses and everything. You're never going to get all that sorted. You could, you could have a series run forever and ever. But if they wanted to take it in a kind of a different direction going forward, they could go, you know, with that clone connection that you're sort of referencing. Um, I'd like to, I'd almost, I think I'd like to see that. And I, I, I'd like to, going back to what Fredo had said, I, I'd like to know more about his background. I think we're going to get more for, about it. And um, specifically the the post-Return of the Jedi period, I think we're going to get more of that information. All right, but so, uh, I'm, there's I'm... a long period, though, between um, Revenge of the Sith, well, I should say The Clone Wars, and uh, A New Hope, that we don't know a whole heck of a lot about what he was up to during that time frame either. So I'd love to see more about that. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sweeten the pot here a little bit, and see if this like turns your crank as to far as what would you like to know. But uh, I've checked this out in a couple different sources. <clears throat> the episode titles for the Book of Boba Fett. So spoiler alert. So I'll give you a second to pause and then move forward. Whatever. Who cares? This isn't really a spoiler. But anyway. This is all for speculation. So, episode one, the champion. Episode two, the assassin. Oh, episode two, Qui Gon's noble end. Yeah, right. <laughs> episode two, the assassin. Episode three, the syndicate. Episode four, the battleground. Episode five, the homeworld. Episode six, the warlord. Episode seven, the showdown. Episode eight, the hunter. There's one of the those that the one. there's there okay there's a couple of those that got that got me mm -hmm. turning when I when I read those episodes. So you said mm -hmm. the home world, Fredo. Mm -hmm. What do you think the home world remember, is? 
Well, that's that's what's interesting. We know that um, there's a been a big buildup within uh, the Mandalorian about the the lack of Mandalore. You know, the lack of the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's not his homework. And well, here's the other catch. We know from season two the way that uh, Bo-Katan and Cosca Reeves responded to him, reacted to him, that they do, you know, there's many Mandalorians look on the clones of Jango Fett, to put it that way, as not true Mandalorians. I so, think, uh, I'm going to disagree. I think he's going to Camino, And I think that's how we're going to get an Omega connection. Because his home world is not Mandalore. His home right, world Camino. is Camino. Ah, but the thing about that armor, right? With the, you know, like here's the proof, you know, here's the receipt that says that sure. this was like from the Fett clan or whatever. You know, I remember that whole thing, and it was like really interesting to me that they went to such lengths to to just sort of establish this is my armor and this is my birthright. That's a good cetera. point. That's a good point. And and so they could go either direction. Is my is my thinking with that? It's like okay. What's, what's more interesting for the character to now, do that? The other thing that got my head spinning, um, and this is what would we, what do we think we know? Um, when I read the episode of the showdown, I think we're going to see a Cad Bane, um, Boba Fett duel that we're supposed to see in the Clone Wars that we saw the animatics for, but just going to be later on in life. Or a rematch of whatever it is. So, well, remember we saw in the, in Bad Batch, Fennec Shand starting out a career, trying to you know fighting Cad Bane. Yeah. So there's already history established between those two characters, and that's one of the ones that I was going like, what I wish we know. I wanted I want to know more why Fennec Shand is hanging around and tag teaming with Boba Fett. What is she getting out of this? What is she hoping to get out of this? See, and, and yeah, I'm the same way, and I think that's what Bad Batch season. When you mentioned Bad Batch season two, mm-hmm. um, one of you guys did. I mean, that's the thing. I think we're going to probably see um, how Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, because I don't think Boba Fett just doesn't randomly pick up some, you know, dead person on Tatooine and bring him back to life because he needs a friend. I mean, there's there's got to be a connection there. There's got to be more than that. And so the fact that he, he's got to know that she was looking after Omega or, you know, trying to protect her or whatever, I think all those stories are going to come. I think we're going to get that fleshed out a little bit more in Bad Batch Season 2. Now, we're, we're moving away from the Book of Boba Fett. But um, I don't know. So any of those, Dave, any of those uh, titles, like, make you go... Hmm. Play Q C and C Music Factory here. Yeah, Things the home world jumps out at you right away for the reasons we already outlined. Um, showdown could be anything. It's fun to speculate. It's fun to say, ooh, you know, Cad Bane or some other uh, bounty hunter, you know, who we're already familiar with. It could be somebody who's important to the show. Um, you know, some random character we haven't been introduced to yet. Sure. So. Um. Yeah. If if we want to like get excited, people, you know, like sit here and just be like, this, this, this has a lot of potential. I think it's the home world for sure. Cool. Well, we we talked a lot about the book of Boba Fett, 
and I encourage you to go watch the trailer. But I will say this to this: I, I can't tease this, so you'd be surprised. Um, I was a little underwhelmed by the trailer because it it looked like the Mandalorian. You know, I mean, it was neat to see Boba Fett, but I've seen Boba Fett in the Mandalorian, so I didn't see anything that made me think that this is something new and spectacular. Doesn't mean that I'm disappointed. It just meant when I watched it, I was like, oh, that's cool. It's not like when I watched the Force Awakens trailer for the first time and I was like, oh, there's a Millennium Falcon. Oh, there's a TIE fighter. Oh, there's all these things. And it's all, you know, I was was so excited because I'd waited for so long, but it's only been, what, a year, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Right on. Looks good. But it does does bring up an interesting question regarding kind of the palette and the look of Star Wars and Disney Plus because probably you know we know we're going to get future shows and they're all going to look similar in nature to the Mandalorian because they're all using the massive because they're all using you know the same teams more or less for all the production all the special effects all the cinematography are they all going to kind of you know, be different versions of the same ice cream flavor or are they going to? Because I thought that was one of the, going to be one of the more interesting things of hiring somebody like, say, Robert Rodriguez. Is you're going to get different camera angles, different color palettes, that kind of thing. But, and that may be coming the case. Maybe they just shot the, the they cut the trailer to be the most straightforward. Here it is. It's coming. You know you want. To, you're going to watch this. So here you go, kind of thing. <laughs> and they're going to save all the visual fun stuff for later. But it's a question to be asked because you know at some point you know. There's a, going back to the Marvel example, there is a, that criticism that they all tend to look and sound the same way. So anyway, uh, like I said, I was, it was, I mean, it was fine. It, I did what mm-hmm. I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't over the moon. It looked cool. That was my, that was my tweet. So mm-hmm. um, let's move on to politics and star Wars. And uh, politics, politics, politics. You know, one of the things people always, you know, if we, you, you always, I mean, it is November. You always hear get, you know, get the politics out of Star Wars. And it's like, it, it, it drives the three of us nuts. And just from an academic level, war, what was the quote? War is just politics um, uh, advanced by other means. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is, it's an advancement of politics. So there's, inherently going to be politics but i wanted to start off i wanted to start this segment off with story time with aaron and i'm going to read to you all from the star wars technical journal and it was uh, written by shane johnson it was published in 1994 all right now i understand all you people are going to freak out and say well it's not canon yeah it's not canon anymore but who gives a crap because this is what was propelling the Star Wars story at the time. So this is pre-prequels. But I want to read to you. Um, this is from A Brief History of the Empire. And it sa- and I'm going to start here. Uh, it says, By banding together, the Old Republic had made itself impervious to any outside attack. No other known galactic powers dared move against them, for to do so meant certain failure. The people of the Old Republic uh, slept securely in their beds, safe within their political walls. Attack did come, however, but as with many democratic societies, it did not come from outside force, but from within. Decay finally set in as more and more worlds joined the Old Republic, 
Local officials became susceptible to influence and bribery, bowing most often to the wishes of those involved in dealings of interstellar commerce. The Senate, weakened by so many centuries of peace and complacency, became dangerously careless. Political overthrow was unthinkable but inevitable. An ambitious but unscrupulous senator named Palpatine rose quickly and, and geometrically to power, uh, aided by those in the lower regions of the Senate who began to crave more power and authority for themselves, promising to clean up the galaxy and return the Republic to ex uh, excitement of its more vital and ambitious days. Palpatine was elected president of the Republic and surrounded himself with these greedy and power-hungry officials who had swept him into power. What they did not know was that Palpatine drew his power and charisma from the dark side of the force. He had a far greater ambition than more than the office of president would allow him. And those who had ridden his coattails onto the upper places of political power were soon to find themselves left behind. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't give a crap if you're going to say this book is not canon, but that is the prequel trilogy right there it even mentions commerce so get off my lawn i mean it is was if you were mad about episodes one two and three and the fact that it was all about political intrigue and all this stuff and you were bored you were not reading books in the early 1990s i yield the floor dave's laughing at me i i you know it's fair point right which is, again, this is where the critique fell into Star Wars, I think, in the first place, really, was was with the prequels. So, oh, this is too political. Um, and, again, the, the, those, those complaints weren't generally levied at the politics themselves. And by that, I mean the, the beliefs that were um, sort of thinly veiled by George. Right, it wasn't Republican versus Democrat. Yeah, it it was merely I don't want politics in my Star Wars. Um, and so that's a fair rebuttal that it it was always sort of there in the subtext, um, and it was always planned to be that way. Um, that doesn't mean you have to like it. <laughs> Nobody has to like it because one, two, and three are, are divisive films. Um, but, and I think, I, I think all of us can acknowledge the, you know, the faults and the weaknesses there. But um, what, what I go back to is episode four. Episode four is political. And since it's, it's insurgents, we've talked about it before. It's like, the, the, there's a thin line between terrorists and rebels. You know, it depends mm -hmm. on what political mm -hmm. bent you believe in. I, uh, we were talking about this right before we came on the air, which was like George, this child of the 60s, um, you know, out here complaining about Vietnam, essentially, with his fantasy film. And again, Freedom fighters against an overwhelming force. It's not really very hard to see that um, message. And what's interesting about it, I guess, at least what's interesting about it to me, is that the quote-unquote good guys are, 
are not us, <laughs> the American machine. You know, we're not the good guys. We are the bad guys in that context. And it's because we've gotten too far away from our values and what our values should be. Um, and, and so I think, and you can go back and you can read interviews. If you, you don't have to take my word for any of this. You don't have to take Aaron's word or Fredo's word for this. You can, you can look back through interviews that George gave at the time, um, books that were written. He, he admits that this was his intent. Um, he wanted to say these things that, that, you know, it's, it's easy to become what that which you hate and that's the theme that you see over and over and well, over again luke luke to vader i mean yeah mm -hmm. i mean that last we've talked about where he's looking at his hand versus you know vader's severed you know arm i mean yeah becoming what what you hate you're right it's overt in episodes uh five and six like just overt 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 it's he's slapping you in the face with it and so like if you like a little more subtlety in your in your politics and if that's your complaint um then yeah i could see why you would be like more partial to episode four um but episode five and six it's it's plain as day and and those two movies came out you know ages before the prequels ever even were even a possibility yeah yeah, no, and I, I think, I mean, even as far back as the very original idea of Star Wars and, you know, making a new hope, which back then was just Star Wars, I mean, there's always been a certain um, leaning political-wise as to George Lucas's views, which that's not surprising. Uh, at the same time, he's making a movie where a lot of the iconography is borrowed specifically and not subtly from real-life world political examples. And what's interesting is a lot of people, and everybody knows this, but we play it off because, oh, the particular, particular by the time we get to episode six and we're seeing the Ewoks and everybody kind of goes, oh, he's having teddy bears and this is for a movie for kids, blah, blah, blah. But when we get to the prequels and all the commerce and trade and political intrigue and machinations and Senate and uh, senators and... All of a sudden, people go like, "This isn't my Star Wars." You know, my Star Wars was simple and easy to understand. It's like, it was. It never really was. The the Empire was always a very monochromatic, horrific structure by design because they were the bad guys. I mean, they're copying certain real life politics. I'm trying to trying to skirt around, you know, getting too much into that example because no, I'm not going to skirt uh, around it. I'm going to dive right into it here for yeah. a second ago because it was just in this I'm, with all, no, no, with all yeah, due respect to anybody. This is previous administration where the line from Padme saying, this is how democracy ends if thunderous applause. I mean that we were starting to live that that's how, that's how republics fall is mm -hmm. through corruption. It's mm -hmm. not, nobody is going to invade the United States and dismantle this country. And that was what George Lucas was saying, you know, that nobody was going to topple the old Republic militarily. The way no, you topple strong, that is by a cancer from within and, and with, and, and we, and using politics to get people to your side. It, 
it is, you're right, Dave, it is overt. Now, one of the things we mentioned in our private chat was like, I mean, and Lucas even got kind of like, like too lazy, you know, like, you know, hey guys, what's two plus two? Uh, hint, the answer is four. You know, it, I mean, when he created a, a character named Lot Dodd in the time when one of the Democratic leaders was Chris Dodd, one of the De Republican leaders was Trent Lott, and you thus create, you know, one of the people for the separatists is Lot Dodd. I mean, the other one was Newt Gunray, Newt Gingrichs, Ronald Reagan, just flip it around, Reagan, Gunray. I mean, he was being totally overt and trying to get you into that, you know, guys, don't you see that our politics is going to destroy or could destroy our country. And we should have been paying closer attention to the prequels because damn near happened. I'll drink my beer now we're too and get us out of trouble. We're too, busy. we're too busy focusing on Jar Jar Binks and, uh, and pod racing and missing the uh, subtleties of the message in 1999. Yeah, and again, I don't think it was very subtle. The, mm -hmm. He literally set, you know scenes from the movie in like senate chambers and have politicians be main characters in this play and we watch them debate and go through the motions backroom dealings and all of this fun stuff that you know it's like again it's very it's just it's it's there again a lot of people don't want they didn't want i don't want that in my star wars again but i think the point is that it's always been there and it's just mm -hmm. up to you to 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 see it. Um, well, and it's also kind of a call to action to be involved in the process because if you just sit back and let things happen, like then, the Jedi, then pretty soon you get the Empire. You know, pretty. Mm -hmm. I mean, is uh, the more that you are just kind of like, okay, I'll let them do their thing, and it doesn't matter if I vote. It doesn't matter if I. You know, I, I don't need to call my senator. I don't need to call my congressman. I don't need to be harassed and whatever. Then you end up giving people, you know, basically a golden ticket to create whatever they want to create. So it was a call to action that, hey, if you're not involved in the process, this is what's going to happen. And Aaron, I can give you a, an example of this. It's like... um and I, I'll try, I won't use anybody's real names here or anything like this. Um, oh, there we go. Because um, I don't want to get into that. But I, what, what I will say is that I know that there are a lot of people that I'm friends with who will say what you're, what you're alluding to, which is like, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved in politics. That's not for me. Mm -hmm. It's just not my thing, right? They, it's, usually, it's usually coming from a white man who was in a very privileged position to be able to take that stance in the first place, because it's like, well, it doesn't affect me personally as a white male, any of these changes that are potentially on the table. That's a very selfish position to take. Right. But I always try to think of it in terms of um, like with, I have kids, right? This is no secret. You I do? have I, <laughs> exactly. Really? Uh, yeah. Does Kate know? Woo. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so I'll see this sort of sentiment 
applied to them on occasion. And again, not in any sort of malicious way, but it's like, your kids aren't my problem, right? Meaning I don't need to pay more into taxes that will go to, you know, things that'll support families, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, et cetera. you're talking about the people who got so mad about it takes a village, you know? Right, right. And that's the point is that it does take a village. And like, and I don't, under, again, I, I had to come to that sort of realization over time, which was it's all interconnected. We're all interconnected with each other. And so if you mean like what Qui-Gon was saying to Anakin. Exactly. If I take the viewpoint of what they were telling to boss Nass, <laughs> sorry. So-and-so's problems over here don't affect me. Right. Well, you know, the symbiotic relationship with Qui-Gon and boss Nass. Yes. Um, but I make it as a plain as an example as I can. If I am not feeling any responsibility for my neighbor who has lost his job and is down on his luck and needs help and I don't take it and it's like, well, that's not my problem. It will become my problem sooner than later when he puts a gun in my face or he gets involved in other shady elements with other people that start coming around the neighborhood and start affecting things for me in a really negative way. And, and I think like people lose sight of the idea that we are all interconnected and again, Democrat Republican. It's like, I don't think either party does justice to what its constituents need and want. But I also feel like taking a stance of I I have no responsibility in this matter whatsoever, again, is 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 not what George intended well, at all. You know, and to your point, you know, Shmi Skywalker says the Republic doesn't exist out here. You know, it there's I mean that's politics. You know, the, it's like, let's think about New Orleans, for example. I'm sure that the people would, you know, in New Orleans East will say that, you know, they get they get left behind, you know, um, or, or, you know, the lower nine or, you know, you know, there's a, pick pick a neighborhood, you know, there's, um, you know, so that is a very real political thing where. You know, it seems like our political structure here in New Orleans focused so much on the French Quarter and on the places where people want tourists want to stay that, you know, others in other neighborhoods get left behind. Um, and that's what Shmi was saying, you know, when, you know, Padme was saying, you know, well, surely the Republic will do blah, blah, blah. So the Republic doesn't exist out here. It's like pick pick a place here in New Orleans where it's like, you know, oh, well, we're in a fender I'll call the cops. It's like, well, cops aren't going to come out here. We've oh. probably all had that had that exchange with somebody yeah. before. Not <laughs> good luck, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a very thing, and that that's politics. So, you know, but I think what it is is that I mean, so I'm going to get a little confession with Aaron. I know your alarm has gone off, but I mean, one of the worst movies that I went to see in the theater was My Life with Michael Keaton, you know, where he's, he finds out he's got a terminal disease and his, his wife is pregnant. And so he starts making a video, a video diary for his unborn son. 
or and I was just like, this is the most awful movie I've ever seen in my life because I don't want to go to the movies and be reminded that I'm going to die. I mean, <laughs> that was the whole crux of it. I I want to go. I I don't like to go to movies that are going. It's going to make me cry. I don't want to go to movies that are going to make me feel like just in my head for the next week and a half. I want to, I want to be entertained. I want to escape my problems, you know? Right. And so, you know, when you go to, you know, of course, when you're seeing Star Wars, when you're seven years old, you don't recognize that it's politics. It's good guys versus bad guys. And the good guys win when you're in your thirties and suddenly you're seeing people talk about the banking clan and, you know, and all these and all these other things it's like you're reminded of your problems and you don't like that you just want to be about you just want to go to when you go to the movies it's like you want to be in a simpler time and you want to have good guys versus bad guys and the good guys win and i feel good and i can go home and rest easy people don't like to be reminded that you know the world is effed up i think that the, the, and that the, is their i'm sorry and that is the responsibility of artists it is also like musical artists it is visual artists it is you know theatrical artists what they are doing is that they are trying to get a message across of hey this is going on in the real world and i'm using my art form to put an opinion out there like it don't like it be it's like what i say to my dog when she starts crying because i don't want her to chew on something be mad all you want Ain't gonna happen. Best pieces of art do both, though. Yeah. I mean, and again, I think that's the crux of the issue, which is like, I I want to shut off my brain and eat McDonald's and 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 not have to think about all the awful problems that I have. You know, I get that, but I think like what what's interesting is when you cross this line of saying, "Well, Star Wars was what well, is not supposed to be political or was never political," and that's just that's simply not the case. It could be both. It could be. It was because you were seven when you saw it first, yeah. and you were thirty-five when you saw the prequels. That's the candy to get you in the van. That we we use that analogy all the time. George Lucas uses the candy with the laser beams and the flying ships and all this stuff to get you into the van, and then eventually you get a little bit older. You begin to start thinking about these movies a little bit more in a, in a little more deeply way, in a deeper, deeper way, and it's like, okay, yes, yes, okay, I, I see it now. And I was just thinking, actually, and one of the interesting thing is, even the sequels, which George Lucas was not involved in, have kept a lot of that element, because one of the big messages of that trilogy is, you take your eyes off the ball, and you will let this come back around. I mean, think of all the sacrifices that, and loss of life and everything went through to depose and dethrone the empire. History, and, history, not lack of imagination, <laughs> is bound to repeat itself. Uh, exactly. You, you don't, you're not vigilant and the people who want to take your, you know, make you a, a subservient or you know, change the world towards their benefit and away from yours will come back around. Well, and, and the Mandalorian is talking about it too. Power vacuums. Yep. That's politics. That's politics. I mean, I'm sorry, folks, you can't get away from it. And I mean, Star Wars, again, the, the operative word in there is wars. So it's inherently political. But I think, you know, I think, that, you know, once you realize it's like, oh, okay, yeah, 
the people who are complaining about this are the ones who were, like I said, seven when they saw A New Hope and in their 30s when they saw the prequels and they were mad, you know, and didn't and didn't pay attention anywhere in between. And like I said, what I read to you was exactly I mean, I remember reading that before the prequels came out. I was like, yeah, OK, this makes sense. Yeah, that's how that's how democracies crumble. You know, if you wonder and and but but I've always been into politics. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't set aback by, you know, the prequels. Um, but, um, and heads up folks, book of Boba Fett is going to be nothing but politics and it's going to be about gangster politics, which is going to be a little bit more fun politics, but it seems to be more about gangster politics. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's here to say, it's not going away. You're not going to, I mean, I don't think you're going to get a, a star Wars movie. That's a hundred percent filler. That doesn't have some kind of underlying message because that's just not what Star Wars is. We, we, we go back around on this this topic. What is Star Wars? And I think the political uh, and moral lessons that you can take from it are essential. And uh, and so, yeah, for me, it's like, again, shut off your brain and go watch some people fighting with laser swords for a while. It's all good. But don't tell me that there are, are no political underpinnings and that they weren't there from the start because they were always there. And I, and I think, I mean, realistically, I mean, you wouldn't want an apolitical Star Wars movie. Everybody thinks that they do. But you know what What something like that would look like without it? It'd be Spaceballs. It'd be just jokes <laughs> and gags and, and silly duels. And there'd be no heft to it. There'd be no stakes. There'd be nothing behind it that would make you go this has some sort of meaning and resonance in my life not not to not to like i'm I'm gonna poke the grizzly bear i love space balls no i'm gonna i'm gonna poke the grizzly bear here a little bit but i was just thinking about this as as because before i came to record the podcast we were watching uh on tnt was uh captain america civil war and that was really the first time in those mcu movies that politics came into play before it was somebody's invading and we got superheroes to fight and i think it it, it wasn't all of a sudden uncomfortable because you had half of your favorites saying you know yeah we need to do x and you have half of your favorites saying we need to do y and then they're fighting each other in germany um you know so it'd be interesting to see how people how people's perception of the MCU shifted once civil war kicked in, because that's when they started making you kind of think a little bit more. Well, and in, in reality, I mean, with Iron Man being an armor weapons dealer, but he was fighting terrorists. So it was very easy to go stark, black, white, it's good, good guys, bad guys. Yeah, he's good. Guy. Yeah. And Captain America was fighting World War II against, Nazi powers again, good guy, bad guy. You see, easy to split it up. And when the Avengers uh, assembled, they were fighting an alien invasion force. But then after Civil War, you do get stuff like Black Panther, you start getting stuff like Shang-Chi, start getting stuff that's you know, Captain Marvel that's stalking on a different level. So, you know, it's it's interesting that you start getting more of that, but again, it's part of our world. You can't you can't say I only I want to make 
something that's believable, that's real, that has resonance, that will have impact in people's lives. But I'm going to remove all of this systems of beliefs and ways of living that don't impact the that that people get controversial about. Again, you want to do that? Just make a slapstick comedy. It makes no sense. Well, it's and, and again, we we can we can talk about this all night long. But it's also in music. You know, anybody who gets mad. Well, and what? Okay, so what I find interesting is that we also get mad at the stuff we disagree with, because Pearl Jam can get up on stage, and you know sing songs you know keep on rocking doing their cover of keep on rocking in the free world and and say all their stuff from a political ideal ideology that i agree with and that i subscribe with but then it's like if i was to go to a kiss when i found out kiss when they played the gretna fest a few years ago they said they wouldn't play an encore until everybody stood up and did the pledge of allegiance you know a lot of people lost their damn mind you know, and it's like, okay, so maybe we just get mad when the politics is disagreeing with my own politics. Somewhat, and I think, like, honestly, if you're if you're right leaning, you can look at Star Wars, and you can see lots of things there too. So again, lessons that um, in the during the prequels. Uh, Strong the, military, strong. The know, country strong will crumble. Yeah. The country will crumble from within. That's very much it aligns perfectly with current right wing thinking, which is just like the liberals are the problem with with our entire country right now. And so, I think like there's there's definitely um, there's definitely freedom of interpretation that you that you can apply to these films, and you can take whatever lessons from them that you want we see it all the time you see people um you know sometimes make that thing they make connections sometimes that you can say okay well that's just flat out wrong i'm sorry you're wrong <laughs> but i i think like there is some i do think there is some license as an audience member to, to connect with material in a way that um doesn't necessarily have to align with a particular political leaning um, you can still get something out of it uh, in terms of, well, this aligns with my belief system, this particular thing that I'm seeing now, or I can see the fact that this resembles a real life situation. I think those things are, they, they, you can get those out of them, whether, we're, again, whatever your political background is. Well, yeah, so. and it, you know, we, we tend to be on the side of the rebellion and we see the empire as wrong, but put it through the lens of, let's say the empire is the United States and the rebellion is, you know, ISIS mm -hmm. or some other terrorist organization, Al-Qaeda. Suddenly Luke Skywalker is a bad guy. You know, that's, yeah. so. I mean, and that, but, and that's what I think the point of this all is it makes you think is like, you know, one guy, we've said it before, one guy's good guy is another guy's bad guy, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it's, and what makes it, what shifts that perception depends on your point of view, a certain point uh, of view. Rob, uh, science fiction author Robert Heinlein used to have a quote where he said, your enemy is never a villain in his own eyes. 
Hmm. It's important yeah. to listen. Keep that in mind. It's like they're fighting us, but they don't think that they think they're the good guys and you're the bad guys. So, you know, keep, you know, you always have to consider <laughs> that. That makes me think of the end of Beer Fest where the, the guy's like, yeah, we're the bad guys and they're the good guys. It will be darned if we let the good guys win on our watch. And I just, I love that so much. Yeah, the, only thing I I, the only thing I keep coming back, the line I keep kicking around from Beer Fest is, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. <laughs> frustrating. Frustrating. See, frustrating. I was thinking of Army of Darkness. You're the good guy and I'm the bad guy. Oh my God. So have do you guys ever, uh, sorry, we'll end with this. Um, do you ever watch bad lip reading on, um, on YouTube? YouTube? So they had NFL and my favorite is NFL bad lip reading. And I think, I want to think it was case Keenum. They had, he goes, all I know is those are the good guys and those are the bad guys. And it just was like, it just looked exactly like that. Oh my God. Okay. So, Hey, um, so yeah, we, we could talk about this all night long. And actually, I think the best time to have this conversation is at a bar with some beer. And, you know, so maybe we'll have to sometime when, you know, we'll have to have like a, uh, a Houdat Jedi meetup and, um, you know, just sit around. Plastic and, cups, though. What's that? Plastic cups. Oh, plastic cups. I thought you said call the cops. I don't know. What to... No, 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 no. I'm saying plastic cups just in case a uh, conversation gets heated. Kind of treated like a. Uh an English pub ahead of a soccer match. Yeah. But uh, let us know what you think. First of all, the book of Boba Fett trailer. Um, again, what do you know? What do you think you know? What would you want to know? Um, and also, uh, like I said, politics and Star Wars. Um, you know, what's your what's your take on it? Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Facebook. Um, if you have our numbers or whatever, just send us a DM, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, you know, if you make us mad, we can ignore you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um no we won't ignore you um but yeah let us know um and until then like i said it is um um falcons hate week so um what what is the uh i'm trying there's i, I can't even remember the the joke anymore so i just won't even try to read i'll, I'll just stumble all over it so anyway uh, go away, dirty birds. All right, so until then, I suppose we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And everybody have a fantastic week. Matanki.